I'll excuse the kids to go to children's church. Roman, you're a little slower today, bud. Well, this morning, I am glad to be able to finish up the series we've been working on. So we have been going through a series called Proselytize. Uh, If you're here and have not been here the previous weeks, I just want to kind of recap and go through things a little bit just to kind of help catch us up to the the week we're at. So uh, when we're talking about proselytizing, we're talking about persuading people to another way of thinking persuading people to another way of thinking. Now, that comes with some significant importance of what it is we're trying to persuade people to. Um, How many of you guys have ever gotten a telemarketer call? Okay. Telemarketers are there to call you to try to persuade you to buy some kind of product. Uh, And and the thing that we really want to talk about is going to be kind of our response. So today we're going to be talking a lot about the response to this persuasion. Now, when a telemarketer calls you, everybody has a different response. Uh, For some of you, you uh, may hang up like I do now. Uh, I never used to do this. This is what I do now. I just, you know, once they have tried to sell me my hundredth car warranty, uh, I I don't need any more, right? You know, it's like just hang up and, and don't even listen to them. But the thing is, when I was in high school, uh, it's not what I always used to do. Uh, In fact, me and my older brother used to make it a competition to where we would race to the phone and get get the phone to try to to see who it was. And, you know, sometimes you'd try to answer the phone and and it would be grandma and you always had to be cautious what you were trying to say. But most of the time, you'd find a telemarketer. The telemarketer would always call you and try to start through this spiel. And me and my older brother would try to, to... gain the advantage by trying to turn it from them trying to sell me a product to me trying to sell them a product. Okay? This this is how fun this gets. And it became this game where for some reason, I think it was Dan who came up with Idaho potatoes. So we all of a sudden would get into this spiel about trying to tell them that we have Idaho potatoes and how much and it's, you know, we can get in bulk or bags and we have a lot of different options that we have. We got some red, we got some rust, you know, there's lots of different potatoes. How would you like to have them? And, and how can, what's your address? We try to go through all the same things that they would try to get from you. And, and the goal was essentially to try to work on selling them this, these Idaho potatoes up until the point where they would hang up on you. And, and most of the time, they would find that, you know, as you're trying to sell them these Idaho potatoes, they're like, oh, we must have just called the wrong number and misdialed. So they'd hang up, and then sometimes they'd call back again. And then you got to do it again, and they would usually hang up the second time much quicker than the first. But it became this game uh, for my brother and I, but, but that's not typically the response, right? The response for a lot of us is we get frustrated, especially when people are trying to sell us something that we don't want, uh, and we've already told them a million times. Uh, again, the car warranties, the sweepstakes, it just, they are never ending, it seems. So as we have been going through this proselytized series, we had first started on what the gospel is. We, Nick went over next on how we share the gospel and then why we share the gospel. So uh, the, the first week we went over what is the gospel. And we landed on these four things. Uh, God is holy and just. Second, we landed on man. Man is sinful. 
and has been separated from God. Third, Nick had talked about Jesus Christ. He is the one who has been the advocate, the propitiation of our sins to make us right, to reconcile us with God. And then fourth, he had talked about the response. What is the response? And, and today, I really want to land on this response. So today, I want to take you through Mark 4, and we're going to go through the first 20 verses. Uh, there, there is the same story in Matthew and Luke, but today we're going to go through Mark uh, only because we've been going through Mark with the youth group, and it's really helpful to have the youth who are even in here sitting. Uh, we haven't gone over this yet, so this is next Wednesday's lesson, so you guys can listen up. You're already prepared. You're ready. So Mark 4, 1 through 20. You might be familiar with the story. It talks over the parable of the, the sower and the soils. And the parable of the, so, the sower and the soils, first, uh, we kind of need to land on parables, right? It is a parable. Uh, this is a story that Jesus had, had given to the people, but there was a purpose and a reason. So Nick, probably a couple years ago, uh, really went over a lot of parables and really taught us what parables are. Uh, so if you, you were around for that series, I uh, got to hear that. Uh, parables parallel a truth. So it's a story that's not necessarily real, but it's paralleling a truth that Jesus is trying to teach. So this is one of the first parables that he teaches that also instructs us that it will help us understand the rest of the parables. So it parallels the truth, and it also is intended to express a moral or spiritual truth. So I just want to read through 4, 1 through 20, and I'm going to skip a few verses in the middle, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So we're going to first start off and just listen to the parable. And that's the first nine verses. Then we're going to skip 10, 11, and 12 because uh, there's a little interlude in there. And then after that, Jesus explains the parable. So we're going to start with the parable and then we're going to go to Jesus' explanation of the parable. Uh, in these two stories, though, you have to just, just recall that when he's telling the parable, there's crowds around. A lot of people are around that are listening to this. When he explains it, when we get into the last 13 through 20, when he explains the parable, this is just with his disciples. So let's, let's pray quick before we read, and then we'll read Mark 4. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, this day. We just ask as we dive into your word, you would help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to know what you want us to know. Help us to hear your word and to apply it to our life. And we just pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see that we would be receptive to your truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Mark starts off by saying, He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into the boat by the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop." 
other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we're going to jump to when he was just with his disciples about his explanation. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary then. When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. It's really nice when Jesus tells a parable and then also explains it. And this parable really helps us understand truly what he is trying to say, the, the truth that he intends for us to get out of it. Now, in this, uh, I, I really have three points for the day. So I just really want to land on three points. We'll put them on the screen. I have some notes out there. Uh, but in those three points, we really learn something from this. Uh, now, this parable is something that, that we could preach on for several weeks. Uh, we're not doing that. I'm just doing it today. So we're, we're looking at the umbrella view, looking at what Jesus' truth is, and kind of going from there. So as we continue in this proselytizing series, talking about the response of men, this parable really draws us to a story that would be real familiar with people. We live in rural Wisconsin, uh, Illinois. There's some surrounding areas uh, and it's probably easy for you guys to understand even this parable as farmers, gardeners, people that just like to be outdoors. Uh, but, but it might be different for other people who don't understand that. And as they would have understood the parable, the story seems easy until the very end. The end of the parable is really where the amazement and the shock kind of comes from. So as the story comes of a sower sowing a seed, back in the day they would typically have an apron and they'd put all the seed in an apron and they'd walk around and they'd throw the seed around. They would come back after that and kind of mix it in with the soil to where you could produce a crop. Now, in those days, the typical harvest that you would come and you would find was about eight to tenfold. So if you planted eight or a hundred seeds, you would get 800 or a thousand in return. Uh, farmers know this because you wouldn't do all the work you do if you didn't have a return. If you put 100 seeds in the ground and came back with 100 seeds, you'd be a little frustrated. But, but they would put in 100 seeds in the ground and hope for 800 to 1,000. Jesus knocks them out of the water by saying, you put 100 seeds in the ground, you're going to come back with 3,000, 6,000, or even 10,000 in return. That's something that was unheard of. So when we look at the story... We really need to ask 
what this story really is about. And it really lands really well when it comes to sharing the gospel. Because as Jesus describes in verse 14, the sower sows the word, the seed is the word. The word of God goes out and gets spread. The difference is is that there's lots of different soils, lots of different ground, and people respond very differently. The response of the gospel is very different than what we might always expect. So when you look at this parable, the the first point I really want to land on is that you spread the gospel to anyone who might hear. That as you look at the sower, as Jesus tells the story, he's not being discriminatory on who receives the seed and who doesn't. The seed goes everywhere. And yet, Pastor Nick had talked about this a little bit before when he talked about sometimes uh, in our own lives, when it comes to sharing the gospel with somebody else, we kind of pick and choose who we think are going to receive it or not anyway before we even do it. And sometimes that's really what stops us. But in this story, the sower isn't discriminatory. Uh, He shares it with everybody. Now, second point, too, is that in Mark's gospel, Mark describes throughout his book many different people that respond differently. So if you look through there, uh, you'll find religious leaders, crowds, Jesus' own family, and Jesus' disciples or his followers, and they all have different responses. The story seems to make more sense as you look at the simple truth that different grounds react to see differently. Some people reject the word. Some abandon Jesus when persecuted. Some stop following because life overwhelms them. Wealth deceives them and even covetousness traps them. And some accept the word and bear fruit. That's simply what happens. You and I also understand that you can't control that. When, when the gospel goes out, the word goes out, you can't control how people respond. As parents, we'd like to. We'd like all our kids to respond in a, in a good and fruitful way. But that doesn't mean that that always happens. But ultimately, the first point that we get is that we're not picking and choosing where the seed goes. Now, next point, I want to, to go to... Um, these few verses we skip, we'll come back to 10 through 12 uh, and see why Jesus puts this like little interlude in here quick. So read with me as we start at verse 10. It says, As soon as he was alone, his followers along with the twelve began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Seems to be a little bit interesting that that part is in there. It's kind of an interlude between the parable of what it is and the explanation of that parable. Uh, And in that, you might even see in your own Bible the the words in verse 12, kind of bold print or or italicized, something like that. Uh, And that is just because Jesus is referencing and referring back to the Old Testament. He's talking about what Isaiah the prophet had said in chapter 6. And that's where God had called Isaiah to tell the people of God that their sinfulness and disobedience toward him would bring forth destruction. Now you've got to remember, this is God's own people. God's own people swore that they would obey God. 
And they knew that the obedience would result in blessings and disobedience would result in curses. But ultimately, as they had walked their own way, as they had done what was right in their own eyes, they found themselves looking through the lens of being rightfully judged. That they had been rightfully judged and deserved wrath and judgment. However, through God's grace, God has told us even in Isaiah that he would leave a remnant. He would leave some that were given a measure of grace that the others hadn't. But even in Isaiah, we see this this stark warning that as Isaiah goes to the people of God to warn them, um, he also tells Isaiah they're not going to hear, they're not going to see, they're still going to be continue to persist in their disobedience and sinfulness. And that's exactly what happens. What God said is exactly what happens. It didn't change. And even in here, Jesus is speaking and says, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. So we need to ask, what is the mystery of the kingdom of God? Well, even in this parable, the mystery of the kingdom of God is the seed. The Word, Jesus in the flesh, has been given to man, and some see Him, and some don't. Jesus has the authority to save and the authority to deliver to judgment. And Scripture is fulfilled through Christ. God is holy and just and rejects sin. And all men are sinful. And yet, Jesus still comes as a propitiation of our sins. He is our advocate. Praise God that he has come and done a work, that he has sent Jesus to come with his grace to provide us ears that hear and eyes to see. That it is not something that once you hear the word, you're automatically going to believe in the sales pitch because the gospel is not a sales pitch. The gospel is something that is completely true. So the second point that we really land on as Jesus is teaching is that we need to trust God in whom he gives grace. Sometimes we see people and we see the way they're living. Sometimes we see what they're doing and we want to point out their sinfulness and we want to say, God, go get them. Because you see what they're doing and you know that their hearts are evil. You know that their hearts are sinful. And yet, you find that sometimes we can be pretty judgmental. That we sometimes want to take the place of God and we want to dictate who gets in and who gets out. Sometimes that even comes down to the point where who we share with and who we don't share with. Sometimes we're willing to share with people that we think deserve it. And the people that deserve it have also been uh, fabricated by who we think deserve it, not who God thinks deserves it. And it has been inspiring to know that we're not in control of that, right? It's a good thing we're not in control of that. Because there's a lot of people that have offended us. There's people that offend us all the time. And yet, we still want to withhold benefit, blessing, grace toward them. God's not like that. God is completely different. He is truly holy and just. And even when we look at it and we say, well, we deserve God's grace, uh, when we really look through Scripture, we know that we don't. We don't deserve God's grace. We deserve God's wrath and His judgment because we've all been sinful. We've all fallen short. 
And it's only through Jesus who has been our advocate. So in this parable, as Jesus is talking, there's lots of different responses to the gospel. And the only good response that he talks about is the good soil. The only good, true response is, is for those to, to be- hear his word, accept his word, bear fruit through the word. So that's our third point, is that God's followers will hear the word, accept the word, and bear fruit through the word. That's in verse 20. I changed it a little bit, and I actually started to kind of play with those words a little bit to try to be a little bit more concise. What believers and followers of Jesus do, they hear Jesus, they believe Jesus, and they want to tell others about Jesus. That we're going to continue to do that if we truly know who he is. So as we look at this parable, again, we could get into all the different soil types, all the different aspects of this parable, and we could dive in really, really deep. But from like the 30,000 foot view, as we look at Scripture, we know that people respond differently to the Word of God. And, and some of us are in, in that process. Some of us don't necessarily know what we think. We might be here visiting today. You might be here visiting today not knowing what you really believe in. You may be wondering what you really should put your faith in. And I really want to close on a couple things. It's important to look at verse 14, that the sower sows the Word. That those that believe in Jesus Christ continue to profess the Word of God. That's it. Even in Jesus' parable, he doesn't actually name the sower. Uh, there are a lot of scholars that look at this and try to figure out, is this, is this us? Is this Jesus? Uh, and Jesus obviously came with the Word. He is the Word. And people that put their faith in God also can share Jesus with other people. That we are meant to share the Word with one another. And I just want to land on this personal call, that we're meant to have a personal call to put our faith in Christ and to go out and share the Gospel. How do we know that? Because Scripture tells us to. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to go out and to make disciples of all nations. In Acts, he says that we're meant to be witnesses to people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We're meant to share Christ with other people. Before we close, I really want to land on how that applies to us. What does that mean for you and I? Well, there's a couple questions I want to land on, and then I want to close on a story. One of the questions that that I have to ask today, that I had to ask myself, is what kind of soil are you? That is, you know the seed is the Word of God. There are lots of different soil types. And some are hardened. As you look at the path on the road, there are people who have hardened hearts that don't want to put their faith in Christ. There are also people who will be shallow, that won't have good roots. And different trials and persecution will draw people away. And there are also people that will be amongst the thorns that have distractions from worry, wealth, or craving other things that will draw our hearts from Jesus. We all kind of have those pressures. We all have those temptations. We all have those distractions. And the question is, is where's your heart today? What kind of soil are you?
Have you been closed off to the truth in your life? What is your heart truly seeking? And are you receptive of the truth as much as when you first received it? What kind of soil are you? The next one, second question that I have is, are you ready to sow the Word? Sometimes when you look at accepting the Word, believing in Christ, and and professing His Word, some of us are still in that period of life asking ourselves, where are we at? Where are we at in, in our faith? Have we truly put our faith in Christ? And I, I just want to help you a little bit and close with the story. So sometimes, as you have an opportunity to share Christ with other people, uh, you're not prepared for it. Uh, as I was working at UPS as a mechanic, uh, there were different times where you'd have to fix trucks, and after you got done fixing trucks, you had to document everything through paperwork. Well, there was lots of different paperwork. You'd have to run over to the office and make copies through the copy machine and go put them in file cabinets. And one day, when I went over uh, to the office, there was uh, a guy and a gal in the office. Uh, they were kind of facing the other way uh, behind you from where the copier was. And you'd go in and make a copy and run back out. And it was pretty easy to sneak in and sneak out. Uh, and, and there was one time I walked in and I go to make some copies at the copy machine and, and the two were behind me and uh, the, the gal that was behind me had, had piped up and said something about, hey, you know, you, you listen to the Christian radio station, don't you? And there's two things that first initially popped in my head. A, so this is Dane County, Madison, so, you know, a little bit different in the receptivity of, of the gospel. So, I had two things that quickly flashed through my head before I even said anything. First was, either they're asking me if I listen to the Christian radio station because they're really intrigued and they want to know, or they're asking me if I really listen to the Christian radio station because they want to tell me how foolish and silly I am for listening to it. Two quick thoughts flash through your head. You guys know how it is. It goes really fast. All of a sudden, she's like, you listen to the Christian radio station, right? I said, yeah, yeah, I do. And she said, oh, that, that's kind of cool. Like, so do you go to church somewhere? And immediately after the second question, I knew that we were on the first side. She was actually intrigued and curious about what I had listened to. Now, leading up to this point, just for listening to the Christian radio station, as Pastor Nick went through, the gospel is not spread through our actions. I had not shared the gospel because I listened to the Christian radio station up to this point with her. So she had asked me a couple questions, and it gave me an opportunity to really put those things into words. And I was able to say, yeah, I listen to the Christian radio station, and yeah, I go to, I go to church in Verona. Just so happened that, that her and her husband and two kids uh, lived in Verona. And I had a, a wonderful opportunity to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ that she had said, hey, I kind of see that you're just a little different than everybody else. Like, you know, most of the time mechanics are pretty rough. They're, they're greasy, they're dirty, they're swearing. If they hurt their finger, guilty here, hurt their finger, they're throwing wrenches halfway out the shop and cussing, right? So I had been in a field where all of a sudden I had, as you give your dad a hug, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, when you, you're in that field, there's a lot of people that respond in a pretty poor way. 
And she had just seen that I responded differently and kind of was curious why. And I was able to share that it was because of Jesus Christ in my life. And that was why I didn't have to use the speech that everybody else had to use. Not that I hadn't prior. I'd used plenty of that speech. But, but that was what transformed me, what changed me. Gave me an opportunity to share with them and even invite them to church. Uh, and, and even in that invitation was able to say, hey, uh, you know, sometimes going to church is, is a little daunting, a little, little uh, scary. I said, I'd be, I, I'll meet you, you know, at the door if you let me know you're coming. I said, I'd be happy to, to, to walk in and, you know, show you we got some coffee and donuts and, you know, it's all, just I'll invite you in. So she had told me one week that they had thought that they were going to be coming, uh, and they did. They showed up. So I met them at the door and I introduced them to, to our pastor and was really able to just bring them in. And, and I was uh, just a part of, of sowing seed, but not all of it. Uh, it had been after that. They had, they had continued to know who Christ was and got to the point where they gave their life in baptism, gave their life to Christ, were baptized, were saved, and, and her and her family uh, now are on a different path. Now I say that not because I want any pat on the back, because sometimes we like to pat ourselves on the back. And, and Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians not to pat ourselves on the back because, again, it's not you doing the work. That, that even in that, Paul says, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. So this is where Paul said, he goes, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God causing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. That the only thing we're meant to do is we're, we're meant to share the Word of God knowing that we're never going to change people's hearts. We're not intended to change people's hearts. We can't transform them. Jesus is the only one that can transform you in your life and make you new. And as you walk through this rest of this week, even the rest of the day, I, I pray that you would have opportunity to share the Word. I pray that you would have an opportunity to, to see that. Now, for some of you, I want to make one other quick little point. Um, this can be a little freeing. I know that for parents, this can be a little bit daunting when it comes to, I taught my child everything they were meant to do. They grew up in church. I taught them all the things they were supposed to do, and they still are off doing their own thing. And even amongst that, it gives us that boldness, that courage, the help to understand and know that all we are meant to do is sow the Word. We're not meant to transform people. We're not meant to do anything other than give people the Word of God. That's it. And the only thing you can do as a parent, the only thing you can do as a spouse, the only thing you can do as a friend is to teach somebody the Word of God. The rest is up to God. And we have to trust in His authority. We have to trust in whom He gives grace and the only thing we can do is fall down before him and know that he is God and we are not. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, this opportunity that as we look at persuading others to live for you, we don't do it in a sales pitchy kind of way. We do it because we have been transformed. The only thing we have to do is tell people about the experience that we have found through you. 
that you have, been, you have been so gracious and kind to us when we have been sinful and opposed and rejected you. And we just thank you for all the work that you have done. We thank you for having the authority over all of that that, that really helps us to, to not stress ourselves out that I wish I could have, would have wanted to, to teach someone differently than maybe they would have God understood it. That their understanding ultimately comes from you. It doesn't come from us. And the only thing we can do is we can fall down on our hands and knees and we can praise you for what you've done and we continue to pray for the ones around us that they would hear, that they would see that you, Jesus Christ, have come down for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you guys would, stand up and sing another song. Thank you.